chapter number four. And I, the title of my message is Silenced. And I just want to give you a um, quick story from Kenya that I believe relates to this story here, um, here in Acts chapter number four. In 2007, there was uh, an election, a disputed election, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with right now. I don't have to explain what that looks like, but there was a disputed election and there were um, controversies about um, who won and who got the most votes. And um, as a result of that, several tribal communities um, began to clash. They were upset. You know, their guy wasn't in, you know, hadn't gotten office. They hadn't won. And as a result of this clash um, over a um, over what seemed to be a an irregular election, um, about a thousand people died, and about six hundred thousand people were permanently displaced, and um, or you know at least temporarily displaced. And uh, several years later, the International Cr- Criminal Court um, decided to press. Um, determined to prosecute some of those that had been behind all these, uh, all the violence, all the uprising, and um, se- um, several different men were put on tri- trial, and uh, they were, uh, there were several witnesses. You know, this was a widespread thing, and so there were lots of witnesses that were going to testify of, you know, what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced, you know, what they were, you know, um, how they were involved, and, you know, all, you know, all these things. So they had a testimony. They had a witness that they were going to share in order to, um, you know, um, condemned these people that had been behind the violence. But as the trials approached, um, very interestingly enough, one by one, the witnesses began to withdraw their statements. And, you know, they shied away from the court, you know, from from giving testimony. Um, Some said they were threatened. Some said they were paid off. You know, they were handed a little brown envelope with green stuff in it, you know. Um, And um, some mysteriously disappeared. And one was even reportedly found uh, dead. Now, why was this done? Why were the witnesses silenced? And no doubt, there, you know, I believe, you know, there's no conclusive evidence. You know, it's still shrouded in mystery. Justice has not been served yet. But I believe there was someone that wanted their testimony silenced and would use any means necessary to make sure that happened. Someone wanted their testimony silenced. And I want to speak on that today. I want to speak on the testimony that we have and I want to speak on um, the person, the personality that wants our testimony silence. And then I want to speak on the solution to that, to that, um, to that um, desire of the enemy. But we're going to look at Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, and we'll start reading in verses um, 5 down through verse number 12. And then we'll read a little bit more as we go on. I trust you're there uh, in, your, in, in your Bibles. Uh, let's read. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, Anna, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? And this is some of the strongest language in the Bible here. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people, and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before, here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the name 
that is above every name, the name of Jesus, and that by this name we can have salvation, and many of us do have salvation, and we're thankful for that. I pray that you would open our eyes to the fact that you want us to proclaim the name and to not be silent. I pray that we would not give in to fear, but that we would be bold in our witness, and I pray that you'd help us to see um, the solution to that. Thank you for your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint me and anoint the hearers, that we might be able to receive from you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So you, have, so you see here the testimony. Um, you have this exclusive message that Peter and John were preaching. They had just healed this man um, through the power of Jesus, and this man had been lame, and uh, they healed him, but there were people that didn't like that. They, um, the authorities, the religious people, the same people that had condemned Jesus Christ to die, they wanted them silenced. And so, you know, they brought him before the council and they were like, why, you know, by whose name, by what power are you doing this? And this is the exclusive message that Peter gave to these people. He told them, this is a result of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the result of God. This is not of us. This is the result of the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are doing it in his name. We are testifying in his name. And they testified. They were witnesses, in a very real sense, of the goodness and the power of God, number one. And number two, they were testimonies of the exclusive message of the gospel. You see that in verse number, um, in verse number, um, verse number 10. It says, that even by him, by Jesus, does this man stand here before you whole. They had a testimony of the goodness and the power of God. And all of us here today, I, I dare say, all of us here today, this morning, sitting here in these pews, we've lived our lives long enough, we all have a testimony of the goodness and the power of God in our own lives. I have, many, I have testimonies, I have stories I could share about how God's protected me through, um, during this um, time on deputation, on the road, and how God's provided. And all of you, I'm sure, would have similar stories, maybe even more um, dramatic than I have. But all of you have a testimony, a witness of something that God did in your life when you were down, when you were out, you know, down and out, and there was nothing else you could do. It's like you were the, at the end of your rope, and God came through. And it's unexplainable. You look, you know, it might be a health thing. thing. It might be um, finances. It might be family. It might it, Whatever. I'm sure many of you have a testimony of the greatness and the power of God in your own lives. Just like Peter and John had. You have a testimony of God's intervention. You have a testimony of God's care. You have a testimony. You're a witness of his grace. You're a witness of his love. You're a witness of his mercy. You're a witness of his patience. You're a witness of his long-suffering. You're a witness of the goodness of God. But we also have another testimony, just like Peter and John had here in these verses. It's a testimony of the gospel, a testimony of salvation. Peter and John um, were witnesses of this exclusive power to save. They knew the gospel. They knew that Jesus Christ, they give it the gospel briefly in uh, verse 10 there. Whom, um, Jesus cru- was crucified. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he came down from heaven and he lived a sinless life. He was blameless and yet he was put on the cross as a criminal. And yet God raised him from the dead. And they said, this is the gospel. This is the stone that is set of you, not of you builders. There's no salvation in any other. And they were witnesses. They were testifying of the exclusive message of the gospel. They said, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no salvation in the church. I don't care what background you come from. I don't know where, how you grew up. There is no salvation in this church or any other church. And you guys who are safe, you know that. 
There's no salvation in a pastor or someone laying hands on you. There's no salvation in a man. How can a temporal man get you, give you eternal life? It's only eternal God can, can give you eternal life. Amen? And we, all know, and we all know that. Those of us who are saved, those of us who have been born again, we know that. We know that that's the testimony of the gospel. We know that personally. Not just because the Bible says, but because we've experienced that in our own lives. And many of you here today, this morning, are saved. You know that you're on your way to heaven. You've been purchased, and you're redeemed, and you're born again, and you know that salvation did not... Maybe you came from a religious background. Maybe you came from you know, a place you know, where they taught that you had to get to heaven by your good works, by your good deeds, by, how you, by earning your way to heaven. Maybe you came from that kind of background, and now you're saved. You have a testimony that works, and good, you know, being good, and trying to do your best, you know, and just loving your neighbor, it doesn't work. It doesn't get to you to heaven. Because there is no salvation in any other except in the name of Jesus. There is no salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter and John heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They were there when he said that. And they saw it for themselves. And now they spoke up. In the face of opposition, in face of the very people that crucified Jesus, they spoke up. They spoke up about both the goodness of God in their own lives, and they spoke up about the exclusiveness of the gospel. It's only the gospel that saves. It's only Jesus that saves. And so you have a testimony. If you're saved, you have a testimony. If you've experienced the goodness of God, you have a testimony. That's not something to keep silent about, right? Why would you keep silent about the best things that happen in your life? You have a testimony. You're a witness. You're an eyewitness of the goodness and the power and the salvation of God. That's not something to be quiet about. So we have our exclusive message, but we also see the enemy's sole goal. Many are silent. Many are witnesses, but many are silent. And why is that? Well, if you look down, at, we're, let's read verses 13 through 17. Verses 13 through 17, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And that's going to be key later on. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all of them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. You know, people can't deny what God's done in your life. If you have something powerful that God's done in your life, you know, God delivered you and it was unexplainable, nobody can deny the goodness of God in your life. Nobody can deny your testimony if God's been good to you. And they could not deny what God had done to this impotent man, this lame man. But look at their solution. Look at their goal. But that it spread no further, verse number 17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. You see their solution? It's the one solution that the enemy has. And it's silence. If you don't speak up, then you're fine. Yes, God's been good. You know, you know, God's done great things in your life. But don't, keep, you know, don't tell people about it. Don't share, share, pe- you know, share it with people. Just keep it, you know, keep it under the rug. Keep it to yourself. 
And the enemy will let you do a lot. He'll let you go to church. He'll let you read your Bible. He'll let you pray. He'll let you, you know, be a good person and help everybody. He just doesn't want you to open your mouth and testify of the goodness of God. He wants you silent. He wants to keep you, know, keep you quiet about the goodness of God. He wants to keep you quiet about the exclusive message of the gospel. And he'll, he has several means to do that. Um, sometimes he'll use internal, you know, internal pressure. How many of you would consider yourself shy introverts as ex- opposed to extroverts? How many of you consider that? All right. There's a couple of people. You consider yourself introverts. I would consider myself an introvert, you know. And so there's that internal pressure, you know. There's that internal fear like, oh, you know, I would look weird if I start talking about, people, about Jesus. And so there's that internal fear that the enemy brings to our hearts. You know, don't speak. You'll, look, you'll stand out. You'll be weird, especially among family, but even at work, even at school. There's that internal pressure. But um, there's also um, external pressure. If you are that person that goes out, if you are that person that, start, that is very vocal about your faith, the enemy wants you to be quiet, and he'll use verbal intimidation like, they did, like he did there in verse number 17 and 18. Don't speak the name. Notice the name. It said, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's the name that the enemy wants you to keep quiet about. It's the name of Jesus. It's the powerful name of Jesus. It's the name that's above every name. It's the name that we sing about. Blessed be the name. It's the name um, that we sing to. Glory to his name. We love that name. It's the name that the apostles baptized people in. Um, It's the name that uh, they used to heal people. It's the name that they used to cast out devils. It's the mighty name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. And that's the name that the enemy hates. It's the name that the enemy hates. He says, don't speak in that name. Don't praise that name. Don't talk about that name. Don't proclaim the name. The pressure of the enemy. Don't even say the name. It's the exclusive name of Jesus. And maybe you've seen that in, some, in, in, um, in the media. They try to keep it quiet. They try to keep it under control. Um, I remember there's a soccer, you know, there's a soccer star called Neymar. I don't know if you, you know, if you're familiar with soccer. Um, I know Pastor Son plays soccer. Pastor Son-in-law plays soccer. I've played with them both before. Um, but um, there's a soccer star, um, Neymar, and uh, he he had won a trophy and he was going up to celebrate. He had a headband on. He had one of these sweatbands on, and on the headband it said 100% Jesus. And so obviously he was, you know, he was probably, you know, at least a Christian um, in name only. But believe it or not, the media blurred it out. And so it just looked like a regular white headband on camera. All right. Uh, illustration that is a little po- um, closer to, you know, where you, uh, most of you guys live. You pro- guys probably watch football more, um, which is what we call soccer over in Kenya. It's, you know, we actually use our feet, so um, we, that's what we, we, call, we call it football. Um, but American football, um, there's this player, um, Benjamin Watson, and he appeared on one of the um, major news networks, which we won't mention their name for, you know, um, for kindness sake. Um, but uh, he's appeared on this news network, and he, you know, started talking about Jesus. He started talking about the gospel. He started talking about the death, burial, and resurrection on national television. And then all of a sudden, the signal was lost. All of a sudden, it blipped out. And the reporter, you know, the reporter that was interviewing him was like, oh, I guess we lost the signal. Do you think that was an accidental? Do you think that was, you know, purposeful? I think it was. The enemy wants the name silence. And he will use any means 
to keep you silent. He'll use verbal intimidation. And then later on in the book of Acts, because they didn't be quiet, by the way, they were not quiet. They didn't yield. They didn't give in to either their internal fears or the, exter- the verbal intimidation. They kept on speaking about Jesus. They kept on teaching. Until um, the next chapter over, Acts chapter number 5, um, Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 40, they appeared before these guys again. And um, it says in verse number 40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called them apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So now they're using physical intimidation. They're up, stepping it up a level. All right? And what's the whole purpose in their beating them? To intimidate them into silence. It's the one goal. Silence. And then later on, you know, they kept on, you know, it says there in verse number 42, daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. There's the name. They didn't stop. They weren't intimidated. They didn't let the physical intimidation get to them. And so later on, um, in Acts chapter number 7, um, you turn over another page or two, and you have the testimony of Stephen. And what did they do to Stephen? Because Stephen wasn't quiet, they stoned him. The most permanent method of silencing someone. And so they silenced Stephen permanently. Um, but I believe Saul, you know, was the replacement for Stephen. He was there. And he, you know, you, you look at Saul and the life of Saul. And he was just as bold as Stephen was. I believe God raised up Saul to replace Stephen. But um, there's that intimidation. There's that intimidation in our life. Let's get along. Let's coexist. How many of you have seen that bump, bumper sticker? On the back of a car, coexist, and has all the religious symbols. You know, let's just get along. You know, all ways lead to God, all religions lead to God. You know, there's no one way to get to heaven. Your way is as good as my way, and my way is as good as your way. Is that Bible? That is not. We have an exclusive message, we have an exclusive um, witness, we have a testimony of the goodness and the power of God. And so we should not be silent, no matter what society says. They stoned Stephen. They persecuted the church. Persecution is the devil's attempt to silence a talkative church. And where there is no witness, there's no need for persecution. Think about that. And so we've seen the exclusive message. We've seen um, the enemy's sole goal. Now I want to look at our solution. How did the apostles stand up in the face of both verbal intimidation, most likely internal intimidation, physical intimidation, and then lastly, legal, um, lethal intimidation. How did they counter that? Let's go back to chapter number four, because I believe the keys are right here. I believe the keys are right here. We'll look at these, and then, and then we'll be done. We have a solution. Aren't you thankful that the enemy can try to get us to be silent, but we're not under his authority? We're under the authority of Jesus. And Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. All authority is given to me. And this is, and therefore go ye and preach and teach and be witnesses unto me. And so the solution is found here in um, chapter number four. And um, the first one I want to look at is association. Acts chapter number four, verse number 13. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And that's the first solution, is spending time, quality time, with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I just want to ask you this morning, how's your relationship with God? I didn't ask if you are saved. I didn't ask if you're going to heaven. I asked, how close are you to God? Is Jesus real to you? Is Jesus real to you? Is Jesus as personal to you as your family members, as your workmates? You know, Jesus is a real person. It's not just somebody that we read about in this book. He's not just an ancient figure of history that said a lot of good stuff. He's a real person, and he has real desires, and he has real emotions. He has real affections. He has a will for your life, for every person in this room. And he wants to communicate that to you. His love is real. His love is powerful. His love want, he, want, he wants to relate to you in a very personable level. He knows your quirks. He knows your, 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 your um, what do you call it, in, idiosyncrasies. And he wants to relate to you on your level. He, he came down. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he wants to come down. He wants to be intimate, if you want to use that term, with each one of us. He wants us to be with him. And that's the whole reason of the cross. He, he, you know, he, purchased, he, came, he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. It's not just about a ticket to heaven. And the moment you realize that, you realize Jesus wants to have a relationship with me right now. Jesus wants to get to know me, and Jesus wants me to get to know him. Jesus wants to have a close relationship with me. The moment you realize that, it will change your Christian life forever, and you'll never be the same. All right? Because it won't be just some figure of history. He'll be a real Jesus in real time, in, real, in, in your, each situation that you're going through. And so he wants us to be associating with him. He wants us to fellowship with him. He wants us to spend quality time with him. You know, if you want to you know, get to know someone, you spend quality time with them, right? If you're, you know, if you're, you know, if you're trying to, you know, those of you who are married, when you, you know, married your wife, you didn't meet her the first day and the next day after to marry her. You spent time with them. You got to know them. And that's how relationships are built. How are you going to build a relationship with Jesus without spending time with him? In prayer, in studying the word, meditation, contemplation, fasting even. How are you going to get to know Jesus? Now let me tell you this, ask you this. How are you going to feel the desire or the courage or the boldness to share Jesus if he doesn't really mean that much to you. If you're not really close with him. Like, oh, you know, he's somebody I know from church on Sunday. But he's not part of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You look through the Bible. You know, you look through the Gospels. You look through the Book of Acts. The people who are the best testimonies, you know, the best testifiers of the goodness and the grace of God in their own lives and of the salvation message, the gospel that we preach, were those who spent time with Jesus, quality time, in prayer, in studying the word. And so that's all important. They were bold. Not because they were, you know, they had all the knowledge. It says there they were unlearned and ignorant men. It doesn't take a brain to be a witness. In fact, if you look down in verse number uh, in verse number twenty, 
In verse 19 and 20, it says, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It was personal. It was real. And because it was real, they felt the compulsion, the boldness, confidence to stand up to the intimidation, whether it was internal or external, and say, hey, here's what God's doing. And here's what you need to do in light of that. And so first, it's association. The second is resolve. And we just read those verses. Resolve. You know, they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then in Acts 5 and verse 29, a similar, a similar uh, situation. And Peter says, the other apostles answered and said, verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. So the, second, the first solution is association. Spend quality time with Jesus, and you'll find it easier progressively to open your mouth and speak about Jesus. The second thing is resolve. Make up your mind ahead of time that you're not going to be intimidated. Make up your mind ahead of time that you're going to share your faith. You know, I've made it a point whenever I go through a drive-thru, you know, on, a Duncan, on another Duncan run, and I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to try and give out a track to the person in the drive-thru. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I can share Jesus like that. And I can tell them, you know, here's something for you to read. I know you're on the work clock, but when you have free time. Or if it's someone that, you know, is apparently not busy, hey, I see you're free, you know. Here's something for you to read about Jesus, you know. Make, it, make up your mind ahead of time. You know, you make up your mind ahead of time to talk about Jesus. It's easier when you're faced with the pressure, when, you're faced with, when you encounter those divine appointments that God brings up along your path. And you're like, oh, should I open my eyes? Should I not? If you've made up your mind ahead of time, it's a lot easier. That's just what I found. All right? And so make up your mind ahead of time. Resolve. We need Christians with resolve. We need Christians with grit. We need Christians with gumption and guts. Christians who are not going to stand by and watch the world take the name of Jesus in vain. Christians who will not flinch in the face of pressure to be silent. People who become activists for Jesus. You know, people, you know, Christians, you know, people in general, they like to be activists. You know, they'll protest. They'll, act, you know, they'll uh, lobby for so many other things, both on the right and on the left. Whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on. But when it comes to Jesus, do they lobby for him? Is there that same resolution? Is that that same boldness? Is there that same willingness to stand up for Jesus? Do you have that resolve to determine, to speak of the things that you've seen and heard? It's refreshing being around people who talk about Jesus. It's like they've already made up their mind. They're going to talk about Jesus at every chance that they get. We can be those kind of people. It doesn't have to be just the super spiritual people, the pastor, you know, the church leaders. It can be every Christian that has the Holy Spirit inside of them. So let's settle in our hearts that we're going to talk about Jesus every chance we have. And I'm not saying, you know, make it awkward all the time. But look for those opportunities. Keep your eyes open. Be sensitive. Get to know your friends. Get to know those people. Maybe God's put someone on your heart, even as I speak. Someone that you need to talk to. Look for opportunities. Create opportunities to speak about Jesus.
And then finally, the request or prayer. In light of the verbal intimidation, the church prayed. And I wonder how many churches get together and pray specifically for boldness. They'll pray for a lot of things, but they won't pray for boldness corporately as a body. And you look there in verses 23 through 31, we won't read that whole passage, but they went to the church, they went back to their own company, and they told them, here's what's happening, here's what's going on. We've been threatened by the religious leaders, the big, the big shots in the government. And when that happened, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and they started praying. And in verse number 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, no fear, that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They prayed for boldness to speak the word and they prayed also for God to do miraculous things in the lives of people around them so that there would be a testimony of the goodness of God. What if this church or churches in general had a prayer meeting like that? God, give us all boldness. We're fearful. We're intimidated. We're introverted. We acknowledge that, but we come to you for boldness. Where we lack, you'll supply. And God wants to give us boldness. God doesn't want us to be afraid. God, doesn't, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, a sound mind. And he wants us to be bold. And he wants to do great things in the lives of the people that we know, the people that we care about, the people that we interact with. He wants to show himself strong. He's not a God afar off. He's a God that's near. He he wants to interact with us. He loves them just as much as he loves you. And he wants to show himself powerful. God's ready to do miracles in our lives as well. And so they prayed for miracles. It's not something that they had in and of themselves. They prayed for miracles. And as a result, you read chapter 5. You read chapter 6. You read chapter 7. You read chapter 8. You read chapter 9. And God did many miracles primarily as a result of this prayer meeting, showing himself strong. And many people came to the faith as a result of their prayer meeting. And many priests who had even called for Jesus' crucifixion had got saved, the most difficult ones, the ones that you think they're never going to turn. Because of this prayer meeting, they turned, and they called on the name of the Lord. And they resolved... And they had that resolve, and that resolve with them, went with them, and they were confident in the face of boldness. So let's have that resolve. In 2023, let's resolve that we'll not keep silent about the things we've seen and heard, the testimony that we have of the goodness of God, the testimony that we have of the gospel, about the name of Jesus. There needs to be personal resolutions today here in this room. There needs to be resolutions, maybe some family resolutions. You as a family need to decide We're going to speak up. Maybe you as an individual need to make some resolutions. I'm going to speak up. I know someone that needs to hear. I know someone that needs to hear my story. Maybe as a church, as a corporate body, Victory Baptist Church needs to make some resolutions. This Saturday, when you go out, let's decide ahead of time that we're going to speak up. And let's request for boldness and power. God's ready. God's not ashamed, and he wants to share his unashamedness with us. And so 
let's cry out to God. He still shows himself strong on behalf of those, those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Let's ask God for great and mighty things that we know not. Let's ask God for demonstrations of his power. He hasn't changed in your life, in your family, in your community. Let's be witnesses. Let's not be silenced. Let's testify. Let's be filled with the Spirit.